So last week, uh, we started our series on the Book of Mark. We're working through the Book of Mark this year at a slightly faster pace to last year when we worked through the Book of Galatians because Mark is the action gospel, as Chris touched on last week. So just to recap on chapter one, because I'm going to start us into chapter two this week. In chapter one, uh, Jesus started off his ministry. He was healing many people. He was preaching and casting out demons, just all the casual stuff. You know, all in a day's work for everybody else. Uh, and then he was he- healed a man with leprosy. So at this point, word is spreading of his ministry. Who is this guy? He can heal people. He's casting out demons. He's, he's doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And so people start to follow him to find out who is this guy? I want to hear from him. I want to see what he's doing. I want to see what he's up to. So many people were following him that he struggled to have his own time. So he had to go to secluded places to find rest because everywhere he turned, people wanted his attention. They wanted to see what he was up to, to hear from him, to hear his teaching. So he did take himself to secluded places for a bit of rest. And in chapter 1, we're introduced to the phrase, which is the theme we're talking about for, the, for these few weeks, follow me, where Jesus uses the words, follow me, to call his first disciples. And later in chapter 2, after the story we're about to talk through, he again uses the term, follow me. So that is the series we're in at the moment, where Jesus is calling the, the disciples to him, not just anybody who's following him or, or is interested, he's, he's calling them out and saying, follow me. And so the, the first part of the series this year is Jesus talking to us to, to follow him and to call us out as his disciples. And, and so we're talking through discipleship and, and learning about following Jesus and what that means. As Chris talked about last week in the first chapter, Mark is building the case for Jesus being someone worth following. It's all good and well. I, I could stand up here and say, follow me, and, and I could walk off out to the back room and you'd all be sitting here. <laughs> That is not a great example of leadership in that, in that case. And, and maybe the odd person might follow. Toby started walking, so he'd probably follow me because he'd be looking for the next meal. But maybe everyone else would be sitting here. <laughs> so Mark is building the, build the case in, in, in chapter 1. Firstly, Jesus is worth following because he has been given godly authority. Secondly, he demonstrates the power of God. That's in the healings and and the ministry and the casting out demons. And thirdly, he demonstrates the love of God, the people he talks to, the people he reaches out to that no one else would would touch. So that's chapter one. So let's start on chapter two today. And to get us started on chapter two, I would like to invite Loretta, who's just going to read us through the first story that we're going to talk through this morning. Let's welcome Loretta. Uh, So Mark chapter 2. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralysed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat and the man was lying, lowered the mat that the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralysed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. 
Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralysed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Brilliant. Thank you, Loretta. We have never seen anything like this. That is the title of today's message. Can you imagine being in that situation? So, before I get into talking and digging out and pulling it out, let's just pray this morning. Because I'm excited about what's going to happen this morning. Dear Lord, we thank you for your presence here this morning. Your Holy Spirit is welcome here. We ask for your touch on this message. That we are ready to receive it. We are ready to apply it. Ready to live it out this week. Father, your Holy Spirit is speaking to people right from the start to respond and to hear your word. Thank you for your presence this morning. Amen. So, chapter one. We we heard about it just before and then chapter two starts off with a few days later. Mark likes to describe things as happening pretty quickly. So only a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. See, from, even from just one chapter of the Bible, working through chapter one, Jesus' popularity has grown so much. There's this example in, in Mark 1 where Jesus is in a house and people are gathered at the door. Here we get to the first part of chapter 2, and there's not even room outside the door. There are so many people that are trying to gather around him. So here we have this house in this town called Capernaum, people packed inside the house. It'd be like this being our service, and everyone's standing up and jammed together, and there's, there's no room on the floor. The, all the kids are being held because there's no no places to sit and, and we have to keep people out at the, at the door and they're, they're spilling out the side doors which you can't see because of the curtains and they're going out that side. There are just too many people Woo! that are, are filling out onto the streets. <laughs> Prophesy. <laughs> so Jesus, the word has spread. People are gathering and they're so keen to hear. You, you know, we walk into a cafe or a movie theater and we, and we, we don't want to sit like immediately next to somebody. We, we'll sit like a couple of seats away Maybe they're in like the middle, we'll sit a couple of rows back and off to the side. These people didn't care. They were jammed in. Yeah. Jammed in so much they were spilling out onto the street. So that's the scene we have. We have never seen anything like this. This is the theme of today's message. So we have never seen anything. There's so many people there and then what, what is happening? So 
There's, you can't even get into the building. So the, the people that came later, they're just having to hang out, wait for the second service, wait, wait for Jesus to do something else, to go somewhere to get a glimpse of him. Verse 3, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Now it's possible, by the way it's described, there could have been more than four. And it just so happened there were four people carrying him. This is an interesting thing we'll explore a little bit later. But the, question, the first question I have this morning is, what paralyzes you? So in this story, we're, we're talking about physical disability, physical uh, paralysis. But I just wonder, you know, this story could be a picture of anything that paralyzes us, that stops us having the ability or the, the thinking we have the ability to get to Jesus. The thing that when, when we know Jesus is, is ready to meet with us, ready to teach, re- ready, to, ready to spend time with us. What's the thing that keeps us away from Jesus? What's the thing that paralyzes us? Is it fear? Is it a thought of unworthiness? Is it finances? Is it our relationships? Is it our ability to connect with people? Is it the desire to just spend time alone and not see other people? What paralyzes us that might stop us wanting to see Jesus or getting to see Jesus? See, none of these things stop Jesus being interested in us. It's just our perception of that Jesus might think we're not worthy. Maybe I will go and get myself right before I go to church or get myself right before I go to connect group or go do some good things before I talk to that Christian I know. Jesus doesn't care about that. He just says, come as you are. Yep. All you here thirsty, come drink. Yes. We talked about all of last year, the book of Galatians and grace and not being able to earn, earn relationship with Jesus, just accepting it. What could be paralyzing us this morning, this week, this year from entering that relationship, from uh, pursuing that relationship, from entering his presence, from getting close? Maybe it's the thought that there are too many people around. There's too many obstacles in my way. There's too many, I can't get into the building because we have this perception there's walls up and too many things in between. But these four men, or possibly more men, had an idea. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. It's just four words. They made an opening. Can you imagine this building? An opening in the roof. Jesus is here. We're, we're packed. The people are standing room only. The seats are all gone. We're just jammed in. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> jackhammers going, stores. You hear the bang of hammers going. They're pulling at the roof, trying to get through. You wonder what's going on. Maybe they're building something next door and then. This white dust starts <laughs> kind of falling. Is it snowing? Is it somebody in front of me got dandruff? <laughs> the, the dust starts falling and then the fan, I've watched too many movies, just starts like, it falls off and spinning like a helicopter player and everyone's diving out of the way. What's going on? Because you're inside the house. You've got no idea what's happening. You've got no idea. Jesus is just there talking and teaching and you're learning in, in wonder and amazement. Then all of a sudden, 
It's like when, when you're in a concert hall and somebody opens a fire exit door and this beam of light just comes straight into the building. It's pitch black except for, yes, yeah, somebody's gone to the toilet in the middle of the concert. So the sunshine comes in the roof. You go, what's going on? There's a hole in the roof. And then all of a sudden, you look up and see a couple of eyes looking down. And then another couple of eyes. And then two more and two more. The hole gets bigger. The dust falls. Some bricks fall in. Some roofing iron. A spare hammer just avoids everybody. It made an opening in the roof. Could have been a lot more than that. I don't know many roofs that have openings that just, you know, open a latch and ta-da. <laughs> Maybe your attic, but not to the roof because they need to be waterproof. So they could not get him to Jesus, so they made an opening to get him to Jesus in the roof by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Again, we have never seen anything like this. Can you imagine being in that situation? But what this is a great example of, of is there are four men carrying one man to Jesus. In spite of all of the obstacles, all of the circumstances that could have said no, they persevered. And to me, this speaks of great friends, of friendship in the house of God, of connect groups, of being around quality people, that in spite of all of the paralysis, all of the circumstances that we might think keep us away from Jesus, if we surround ourselves with these types of people, they will carry us into his presence when we feel like we cannot get there or when we cannot get there ourselves. Maybe it's in depression, something I've experienced personally where you just cannot get out of bed in the morning. Then your friends come along, they lift you up and they carry you and they say, come on, I'll pick you up, I'll take you to church. I'll get you to connect group. Come on, just go to work this morning. Let's push through, let's persevere. When we struggle, our friends can carry us and get us through. They'll get us through the opposition, get us through the obstacles that are in the way, get us over and think of creative solutions. There's no room in the door. All the windows are blocked. We'll go through the roof. However we need to do it, we'll just get creative, we'll just... We'll make it happen. So the second question this morning is, are we with friends who let us down, who might not take us away from Jesus, who distract us, who away the opposite direction, or are we with friends and people who lift us up and take us into the presence of God, who take us to Jesus, who remind us when times are tough with a word from the Lord, maybe a scripture or a word of encouragement, maybe just a hug, maybe a, a shoulder to lean on, maybe a kick in the bum, something to keep us going, to lift us up and get us forward. Who do we surround ourselves with? When the pressure is on, when all of these circumstances are around us and we cannot move ourselves, what is the character of our friends and people we surround ourselves with? Will they move us forward will they pick us up in verse 5 when Jesus saw their faith this is a very interesting verse because he's not talking about this one man he's saying when he saw their faith collectively Jesus was moved to action and words by the the faith of these guys and it wasn't just faith to say 
oh yeah, Jesus can do something. It was a type of faith that said, I don't care what's in our way, we need Jesus, we're going to see Jesus move in this situation. So it was faith and action put together. There's a faith, firstly, to believe this ridiculous, audacious thought that Jesus can heal. That Jesus might be able to do something for our friend who is paralyzed, is sitting on a mat. Maybe he has to resort to begging. We we don't know the the full backstory. But collectively, they say, we can do this. Jesus can do something for our friend. So they weren't worried about all the opposition, the people in the way. Their faith and action got Jesus' attention. So, continuing verse 5, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Then in in verse 6 and 7, we see about the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? It's in their mind. That's what they're thinking. But immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take a mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take a mat and go home. Now, this is not the answer that people would have expected. Sometimes Jesus doesn't address the obvious, but he addresses what's needed. So it might be obvious someone's got an ailment or a disability or an injury, and he's, you go, well, it's kind of, you know, they need help in that area. But Jesus addresses the, the heart of the issue or the, the main issue. And it's interesting I, that... The forgiveness of sins came before the healing here because that is Jesus' first priority on the earth. He brought, by dying on the cross, he gave us the forgiveness of sins and the access to eternal life and a relationship with him. Through dying on the cross, he broke the power of death and and sickness. So they might have gone for the obvious, but he says, your sins are forgiven. Now, he might have had every intention of offering healing to this man in the first case. But what he was doing here is using it as a physical demonstration of his authority and power. And to highlight the point that he had the authority to offer forgiveness. Here the men are thinking, only God can do that. Who are you to say you're forgiven? He's saying, well, if I have the power and authority to make somebody who hasn't been able to walk since they were young since they were born not be able to use their legs, just maybe I have the power and authority to set them free from sin and give them eternal life. Now, later in the service, there will be an opportunity, if you've never received Jesus, uh, entered into that relationship, there will be that opportunity for you this morning, if you haven't taken that step, to do so. Or maybe you feel like you've been away from Jesus and there's been obstacles and things in the way and and you haven't thought you've been in that place to get back to that relationship with him. There'll be an opportunity to respond in not too much time at all. But here Jesus is establishing his authority yet again, this this time after doubt was cast on him. 
So that wasn't verbalized, but Jesus could understand their thoughts. In chapter 1, he's establishing his authority, his godly authority, and through the demonstration of power and, and, and reaching out to people that no one else would want to touch. But here his authority is questioned. So he uses a demonstration of power to showcase his authority. Showcase might be a bit of a, I don't know, superfluous word or a bit of an extravagant word because uh, Jesus wasn't so much a showcase you're thinking on the stage but he used it to make a point and a very strong one. So here he goes to the power and the signs and wonders as an indication of his authority. Now you might think it's a touchy subject to talk about sin and sickness in the same sentence. To talk about in this story Jesus says your sins are forgiven, and then get, take your mat, get up and walk. That's a big topic. I'm not going to uh, explore it too much uh, this morning, but just to say that when sin entered the world, so did sickness and death. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve took the fruit and ate it, and the, the curse of death came, so did sickness at the same time. So the two are very closely aligned, and where Jesus' ministry goes... He offers forgiveness, he casts out demons, and he, he um, offers healing. And they're all very closely connected. So he, Jesus may not have been referring to this guy personally and, and making a point about this guy being sinful, but he was using the case of sin and the, and the connection of sin and sickness together to demonstrate his authority to reverse that curse from the Garden of Eden, to say the time has come when he dies on the cross that We'll be set free from death and offered eternal life. So in verse 12, the man, he got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like this. When was the last time you said that? We have never seen anything like this. I said it in the mirror this morning. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing, but you know. I did see a couple of our Connect group went to Zoolander 2 last night, so I'm kind of thinking a Zoolander moment in the mirror. But we have never seen anything like this. He got up, took his mat, and walked out. Can you imagine somebody you know from a child? We don't know the full story, but he's paralyzed. Maybe it was an injury. Maybe he was born without the use of his legs. Can you imagine growing up in Norwood or in your suburb, going to preschool and primary school and high school with the same group of people, and there's this guy who can, has never been able to walk. Then all of a sudden, somebody comes to church or, or somebody talks to him or you, you haven't seen him in a couple of days, and he comes walking into the room. Imagine that. Wow. I don't know. Wow. The sort of reaction you would have. It would be amazement. It would be excitement. It would be like, what happened? You'd want to know all about it. You just, yeah. It would blow your mind. We have never seen anything like this. So Jesus says to him, get up, take your mat, and go home. So he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This morning, 
question I asked earlier about what maybe would paralyze us from entering relationship with Jesus or getting closer to him. Here are three things that we can do to move beyond that, move beyond the paralysis, move beyond the condition, move beyond the thought or the perception. Get up. It takes a step of faith to move beyond this. Now, in this case, he, he didn't walk to Jesus, but when he encountered Jesus, Jesus didn't pull him up. He didn't force him up. He spoke to him and said, get up. <coughs> so this man who had never used his legs before, had been paralyzed by a condition or maybe any, think of any other condition that might apply. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's some other sickness or injury or thing you've inherited. You've got to make a move. Jesus said, get up. He didn't force him, lift him up. The man had to go, you're Jesus. I want something from you. I'm believing in your word. I'm believing what you're saying. Let's give this a go. So he got up. He took a step out of his condition. He could have stayed there and we wouldn't be talking about him today. He could have stayed on his mat. Jesus might have moved on to somebody else. Somebody else might have needed healing or release. But he had to take a step out of his condition. Can you imagine what would be going on in your mind if you had this thing your whole life and encountered with Jesus and said, right, go this way. Do this thing. Two, take your mat. So get up, take your mat. He said, don't hang on to the identity that comes with the condition. So here's a paralyzed man, and often in, in this culture, there's other stories about beggars with cloaks, and he's got his, his, his mat being a paralyzed man. Possibly it's the sort of thing that gave him authority to beg, or it's the type of uh, housing or um, just clothing that somebody with a certain condition would have, so they would be looked after by the community. So Jesus says, take your mat. And it's a word for us to not hang on to our identity. He said, rather than leave it there, broadcast to everybody. Let's roll it up. Let's take it away. Don't hang on to the identity that comes with the condition. I'm always that person that does that. Oh, everybody knows me like a person that will do that or this. I'm always a person who... Well, this is how it's always been. He says, no, take your mat, roll it up, and then walk out. Start living it out. Get to life in your new identity. So he says, go home. He didn't say just kind of go randomly and you know, have a nice life. Ta get up, take your mat, and go home or walk out. He says, go back to life. Tell people about Jesus. Start living out this new identity. When we have an encounter with Jesus, he gives us his identity. The paralyzed man met Jesus, had an encounter, and his life is forever changed. Can we say the same thing? Because all of our lives can be changed by an encounter with Jesus. Maybe it's in the worship this morning. Maybe it's, it can be an ongoing thing, but if you've never had that encounter with Jesus, then this morning you'll have an opportunity to do that. And ask George to pop up. Thanks. Maybe you've never had that encounter. This morning I want to give the opportunity for you to respond that way. Maybe it's been a long time since that encounter. You want to come back into a relationship with Jesus. 
in a couple of moments, if, if you feel like you're in one of those groups of people, I would, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and uh, if there is anybody here this morning, I would love to pray with you down the front. Now, that might seem like a bold step. That might seem like something a little bit crazy. Why would I do that? Well, it's a little bit easier than having to make a hole in the roof, get out the jackhammers and the saws and pull the bricks and tiles and iron away. But sometimes just that step of faith, that step out of the chair, step out of that, I'm not a bold person, I don't usually do that sort of thing. Well, this guy never walked before and he walked in the moment. Jesus isn't the God of never. He's a God of possibilities. So just ask everybody this morning just to close your eyes, please, just to give everyone a chance to respond in private with your eyes closed across the room. If you feel like you haven't had that encounter with Jesus and you want to start that relationship, in a moment, I'll ask you to raise your hand. Or maybe you have had that encounter previously and feel like it's time to come back. It's time to push through. It's time to get beyond the opposition, the things blocking, and to, to break a hole in the roof, to meet with Jesus again, just in spite of all of the circumstances that this morning you want to make that declaration. I'd just ask if there's anybody in either of those categories or groups this morning that want to come and meet with Jesus. So just ask you to raise your hand nice and high. Just anybody this morning. Just give you half a minute just to respond, to think about it. Anybody at all this morning? Just Just while you've got your eyes closed this morning, I want to give a second opportunity for response for a few different areas. Maybe this morning you feel like you are paralyzed by something. Is there something that's stopping you going to Jesus? Something that stops you going to prayer? Something that stops you going to faith? Something that stops you going to the Word when circumstances hit? Maybe it's something you've done. Maybe you feel dirty, unworthy. Maybe you feel like you just don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You haven't earned it. Is it fair? Is it insecurity? In the moment there'll be an opportunity to respond to that and to, to push through and take a step of faith. Maybe this morning talking about having the types of friends that would bring you to Jesus has just sparked a thought about who you need to be around. Maybe you feel like you need those people in your world and you're not so sure about where they are or you just want to ask Jesus to bring those people into your world, to be in the right crowd. Maybe you are in the wrong crowd or hanging around people that are pulling you away from church, pulling you away from prayer, pulling you away from relationship with Jesus. Maybe you just need to take a step this morning and make a declaration that you will pursue the godly people. So Jesus can bring them into our life. There's a whole bunch of them in the room here. 
There's a whole bunch of quality people in this room that will encourage you and lift you up and give you a word. It's what we call connect groups. It's what we have all the leaders and everybody, every member of the connect group this morning. Maybe we just need to pursue that relationship and this morning we'll make a declaration that we will be bold and step out of our circumstances and accept the help and the the words and the encouragement that is around us in this community. And thirdly, maybe there are people here this morning with sickness or injury and need of healing. Maybe the doctors have given a certain report saying only some things can be done or nothing at all. Maybe you've just been sick all week could be minor, could be extreme, there's an opportunity to respond this morning. Just ask everybody to stand with me this morning. Just put our hands out before Jesus this morning. His Holy Spirit is here. wonder if you feel like you're in any one of those three areas maybe you feel like you've been paralyzed by something that's stopping you going to Jesus maybe it's in the area of friends and accountability and having those around you that will bring you to Jesus maybe it's sickness or injury and need of healing I just ask you where you are just to raise your hands to to heaven this morning just take a, a step of faith an action of faith to seek his presence in your in your life, in your area at the moment.